This episode of Proper English is brought to you by some frequently asked questions and the idiom full of beans. Today's episode is going to address some of the questions we get asked the most during our English lessons, isn't it, Ali? FAQs, Dave. Uh, I beg your pardon? FAQs. Frequently asked questions. If you're on an English language website and you have a query, you scroll down to the bottom usually and look for FAQs. Good to know. A lot of today's episode will be devoted to what's the difference between two similar words or phrasal verbs. Do you remember when we had what's the difference as a feature every week? Those were the days, eh? Oh, yeah. So, in no particular order, what's the difference between giving and give up? Well, in most instances, not all, they are definitely different. Oh, yeah. You give in when you have resisted someone or something and no longer have the energy or inclination to continue to resist. That sounds a bit confusing. Well, that's why we're talking about it, Dave. (laughs) Fair enough. Let's give a few examples. The children nagged and nagged their parents to take them to the circus and finally their parents gave in. Or... After industrial action and the threat of a strike, the company gave in to the union's demands. And then there's temptation. Ali, I know you really want to eat that bar of chocolate, but you've resisted all day. Don't give in now. But I want chocolate. All right, easy. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so that example leads us nicely on to give up. Yeah, How many people say they'll give up smoking as their New Year's resolution? And here's where English gets weird again. (laughs) Again. To give something up like tobacco or chocolate takes strength and persistence. And yet, we also use give up to mean yield or surrender. Ooh, yield, that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Ah, now then. Does this mean I get to quote from one of our favourite films? What, Galaxy Quest? Yeah. Go for it. Never give up. Never surrender. (laughs) It's spoken by Mathazar, the leader of the Thermians, and then later quoted by Tim Allen's character, Commander Peter Quincy Taggart. What a cracking film. We must watch that again soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, this use of give up can be used somewhat interchangeably with give in. Yeah, this is where the meaning becomes very nuanced. You have very good general knowledge. Thank you. And we both enjoy quizzes. Do you remember we talked about pub quizzes back in episode 55 of series one? Oh, yeah. Now, if you know the answer, and I've been trying to think of it for ages, what might you say to me? Well, I'd probably say, I really don't think you're going to get the answer. Do you give up? But... But I could also say, I really don't think you're going to get the answer. Do you give in? And both of those are right. They are as well. When you ask if I give up, you mean, do I stop trying? But if you ask if I give in, you mean, do I accept defeat? And anyone who knows me knows that I might give up, but I hate to give in. I couldn't possibly comment. What's the difference took a while, didn't it? It did. Let's hope the next one's a bit more straightforward. Okay, let's try this one. I sometimes get asked, when do we use other 
and when do we use another? Oh good, this is easier. The definition of other is additional or extra or alternative or different types of. I guess every language has a word that means other. Of course. So the only complication here is the word another. Yeah, my suggestion is think of it as one other. Would you like another slice of cake, Ali? Hmm, do you see what he's doing there, everyone? He's pointing out that I've already had a slice. Would I like another? Would I like <laughs> one more? <laughs> but would you? Would you <laughs> like another? Of course I would. <laughs> it's just an example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be technical, other is used with uncountable and plural nouns, and another is used with a singular noun. Can you give us another couple of examples? Uh-huh. Maybe one that doesn't make me look greedy. Oh, done my best. Uh, he's going to that gig tonight with another mate, or he's going to that gig tonight with other mates. There you go. How about come and go? On the face of it, these two are easy to distinguish. We probably use go most often. It's all about geography. If I go somewhere, it implies that I start where I am and move somewhere else. I go to the cafe on Fridays. Veronica goes to university. University is the destination. Great. Is that your student Veronica in Madrid? It is. Hi, Hi Veronica. Veronica. Of course, the verb to go is irregular. So in the past, we use went. We went to the market on Saturday. Easy. Okay, so come. This is where learners sometimes get confused. Right. Mostly, we're going to use come to describe the movement between the listener and the speaker. If you come over for lunch, we'll make a cheesecake for pudding. When we train a dog, a really important command it needs to understand is come here. It gets complicated when we're talking to someone in another location about a third person. What? (laughs) For example, I could say to Jan, when is your mother coming to stay? Now, I've used the word coming. However, Jan's mum isn't coming to my house. She's going to Jan's. But there's an implicit understanding between us that I mean Jan's house. Ah, I've noticed similar uses when we're retelling the plot of a film, for example. Mm -hmm. A stranger came to the house. Come is also an irregular verb. The past tense is came. Okay. So anyway, a stranger came to the house with a mysterious box. We're seeing things from the perspective of the characters at home in the story. Let's hope that all makes sense. Hmm. We don't want our students to feel as if they don't know whether they're coming or going. Oh, sneaky little idiom there, Ali. If we're flustered or confused, we can say we don't know if we're coming or going. Now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week? This week's idiom is full of beans. Now, Ali is quite insistent that I don't turn this into a fart gag. The thing is, people who eat a lot of beans and pulses often end up passing wind. In British English, we also call that trumping. The Americans, not so much. Can't think why. 
So the expression to be full of beans is not about flatulence. So what is it about, Dave? I'm glad you asked, Ali. If someone is full of beans, they are full of energy, probably excited and positive. We often say it to children, you're full of beans today. But where does the expression come from? Well, there are a couple of theories. The beans could be coffee beans and then the caffeine gives you energy. But it's also thought to refer to racehorses that have been fed on beans and are lively and energetic. I wonder why I'm never full of beans first thing in the morning. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation. We really do. Why not recommend us to a friend? Or a colleague. Or a cousin. Or a neighbour. Everybody needs good neighbours. <laughs> it makes us so happy when we get new subscribers. We also love getting feedback. It's great when you tell us what you like about the episodes. But we also want to know what you would like us to do better. Or if there's something you think we need to discuss in a future episode. But how, Ali? How? Send an email to properenglish or one word at sapo.pt Or you can go to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook if you have them. So until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. Lavatory, lavatory, hip bath, hip bath, bidet, bidet, douche.